Your company's future success demands agile, flexible, and resilient operations. I'm your host, Daphne Luchtenberg, and you're listening to McKinsey Talks Operations, a podcast where the world's C-suite leaders and McKinsey experts cut through the noise and uncover how to create a new operational reality. Seemingly overnight, COVID-19 put a spotlight on supply chains, requiring companies to coordinate more effectively as they moved products from raw materials into the hands of their consumers. For the warehousing industry, the ripple effect and resulting impact of the pandemic continues to be felt. The industry was already struggling with labor availability, but then the pandemic increased the sales of goods relative to services, triggering a step change in e-commerce-driven demand and driving high inventories. At the same time, they saw further labor attrition, all adding to productivity woes. The ability of warehouses to keep up with demand has been at the forefront of C-suite conversations ever since as it poses a real threat to business continuity. I'm joined today by Chris Smith, president of the Grocery Business Unit at McLean Company. Hi, Daphne. Very happy to be here today. And Richard Colston, president of Europe for GXO Logistics. Thank you, Daphne. Delighted to be here. Also with us is my colleague and senior expert, Alan Davies, an associate partner based in our Miami office. Hi, Daphne. Thanks for the opportunity of speaking today. Now, McLean Company provides grocery and food service solutions for convenience stores, mass merchants, drugstores, and chain restaurants. GXO provides cutting-edge logistics solutions for multinational companies and blue-chip market leaders. We're really happy to have all of you here representing these diverse logistics arenas and covering a range of geographies. I'm really keen to dig in to explore how companies such as yours are addressing the current warehousing environment and get your take on the outlook going forward. A warm welcome to all three of you. Let me kick off. So one of my first questions I wanted just to fire your way is how you would describe some of the main challenges you've faced in the warehousing business over the last three years. And Richard, may I ask you to comment on that first? For GXO, it was clearly around the shift from retailing, wholesaling to online. We'd already seen double-digit organic growth within e-commerce. But what we saw overnight was almost a stop in some supply chains through the retail environment to everything online. So we helped companies create an online platform. We helped companies that were shipping small volumes, double, triple overnight. But what came with that also was returns and reverse logistics. So it was a quite a crisis time. It was a time when everything was uncertain. There were challenges on inbound, there were challenges on outbound, but the fundamental difference we saw was the rapid shift to online retailing. What we've seen since is that level off, but we've certainly not seen it retract. It's remained exponentially higher than pre-COVID, and we see that growth continue. And Chris, how about you in kind of the business that you were in, which was around groceries and convenience stores, how were you affected and how did you have to pivot? Like many, we've seen dramatic changes in supply chain, both up and down the supply chain from the partners of the service. Internally, we, like others, were very much affected by labor disruption. We had not a lot of turnover within our touch labor and just labor availability for our distribution centers was a challenge. Acquiring outbound drivers, shipping products to our customers became ever more challenging during COVID and the aftermath. From partnering with our manufacturing partners, those challenges that we faced internally, they were facing as well. So we saw just availability of product and out of stocks and visibility into recovery times. 
become unknown. And we saw variation of our ability to be able to satisfy the demands of our customers constrained. And then from our customers' perspective, they had changing demand profiles where your recent history did not follow really their past practice. So demand signaling was no longer working just because demand was so different. And I think those challenges really played a part of really the disruption that we saw within the supply chain, within the grocery and the food space over the last several years. Alan, let me bring you in here. You work with a lot of clients in this industry. What are some of the lessons that you think logistics companies have learned over the last three years as they've had to adapt? I think some of the lessons learned have been very much that we've moved from thinking about automation as a discrete ROI into being a real business continuity discussion of the C-suite. I think that's one of the biggest changes that I've seen. Attrition rates, 70% turnover in three months have just been so hard to cope with. And therefore, it's moved from being a hiring challenge to being how do we avoid the hiring need and how can we mitigate that? Chris, can you say something about how that's been affecting productivity overall? This issue with labor has really doubled so many companies' efforts of being an employer of choice because it just really instills the fact that having a tenured, stable workforce is critical for operational excellence. And I think as we have seen turnover expand over the last few years, it really did put pressure on our productivity of our warehouse as our tenured workforce was not there anymore. We saw productivity rates go down, the need to hire more people became a pressing need. And even though we had more bodies in our warehouse, more teammates in our warehouse, overall throughput was not the same because our productivity rates had diminished. And that also then created service disruptions for our customers with automated deliveries and service challenges. But as we have seen that focus around becoming an employer of choice and really focusing around retention and keeping our teammates, we were starting to see that trend, thankfully, over the last six to eight months, start to flip the other way with retention numbers starting to move in a much better manner. And not surprisingly, our customer experience is also improving. Yeah, that's great news. Well done. Richard, can you comment a little about that? Because I imagine a large chunk of your business is across Europe with a very complicated labor market and very diverse. So what kind of lessons did you learn at GXO? We learned how to quickly retrain, uh, repurpose, how to reorganize warehouses. I'll give you an example. We had a warehouse which was purely doing returns for e-commerce, and we repurposed that to outbound because the outbound flow was much higher than the inbound flow, bearing in mind that a lot of returns come through store collection. So those stores were closed in the early days of covid so we learned a lot about how to become even more flexible. And we thought we were super flexible until you needed to pivot within days, thousands of people in different locations. What was ultimately key to it, we didn't see a big drop in productivity. A lot of our businesses became somewhat protected, moving food, moving consumer goods, moving medical supplies. And those warehouses remained open. We had to put in productivity restrictions, so we had a lot of uh, one-way walkways, a lot of petitioning between colleagues working, a lot of extra hygiene time and downtime. So in that sense, the productivity dip. Across Europe, probably the biggest factor overall was the sort of labor movements. Across Europe, people can work in any country, but we saw people returning home and coming out of one labor market into their perhaps home labor market. 
And that took maybe six months before we saw that workforce normalise back to its kind of usual positioning across Europe. Alan, we've talked a bit about digitization already and automation and how that has now become the C-suite discussion, whereas perhaps in the past it was seen as a bolt-on or add-on. How are senior leadership teams now thinking and talking about the adoption of technology? It has now become part of the strategic programs for many companies. They're taking up to the board level and getting commitments to go modernize their footprint, modernize their warehouses and operations. I think it does come back to this. We have to be different. Things like COVID are going to happen again. We can't be so reliant on labor. And it's been addressed very much at this. How do I create the right strategy moving forward? And then obviously behind that, once that's got that board approval, there's a series of choices to make in which digitization, which automation, which site to go first, which vendors to use. So there's some more complex implementation choices, but I think it starts with that strategic view at the C-suite that's been a big shift. Really helpful. Chris, you talked a little bit about the importance of workforce loyalty and the talent value proposition. Do you see technology and investment in technology as something that attracts employees? We do. And I think it's something that is very top of mind for us here at McLean as we're making considerations around where to adopt technology in systems. We also prioritize very much those things that impact our frontline teammates. Implementing new warehouse management systems is something that we're currently engaged with as well as labor management systems. We want to make sure that we have a more robust and dynamic software package for our folks to have more efficient ways of doing their job. Things like labor management software that allows supervisors visibility into how people are performing for coaching and feedback and engagement is a strategy that we're very focused on. Technology to make the process of people being assigned schedules and signing up for schedules and for labor planning is something that we are also very keenly focused on as a business. And we are finding that these strategies are paying off and that we are getting adoption into the business. Very interesting. Richard, as your company had to adapt and bring in new technologies, how did you approach the whole capability building angle, the learning angle for those technologies to be used properly? We've seen over the last five years a real growth in the capability, the capacity, the intellectual value of technology. And we've got around 30% of our warehouses automated. That's around four times the market average. But even that, we've got a long runway of opportunity ahead of us. What we love about automation is it makes everybody's job easier. It gives us higher capacity. It's safer. The quality is better and the efficiency maybe up to six times, maybe up to 10 times, depending on the application. We also see technology advancing. So we've got technology now for greenfield and to end fully automated. And we've got technology for brownfield. So adding in technology into existing warehouse flows, automating parts of it, and putting technology alongside people. Despite all of the technology, we're still a people-centric business. But what we see is that need is upskilling. So as exactly as Chris said, more into the technology, the maintenance, the application, the solution, the design, the deployment, project management, and adapting that technology, which in some cases is mechanically very robust, but the process involved in the warehouse needs some tailoring. Yeah, I could imagine. 
I assume also that means that the profile of the type of talent that you need to bring in has shifted as well. Is that right, Richard? Definitely. There are still warehouse jobs of manual handling, of course, there always will be. But the vast majority of jobs are moving now into, as I said, the deployment and that kind of design and engineering part of it. And I think what people see in the industry is we're at the beginning. We could talk about AI for all of this call. It's just at the beginning of how automation can become super smart, super adaptive, and upskill even more those jobs. So I think we're at the turning point of the industry. One of the other really fascinating points about automation for the next few years to come is, as Alan said earlier, automating for automating's sake just for the ROI is past. But that ROI is getting stronger and stronger as we see labor inflation move, as we see workforce dynamics change, we see the cost of automation in real terms falling. Interesting. And I wanted to build on that because I think both you and Chris mentioned that you've made great strides in technology adoption, but you're only just at the starting gates. So technology and your adoption and how you build your strategy going forward, do you see it as a real competitive advantage, Chris? We certainly do. And I think that even beyond technology, I really do believe that the things that are going to make a competitive advantage for us is how we are thinking about supply chain technology, our ability to be able to be an employer of choice, retain our workforce, driving capacity and throughput into our business, systems and automation. At the end of the day, I do believe that people want to be able to have a reliable place to work that they can come in and take some of the fingerprints off the work through automation technology to make their lives better, take some of the physical aspects of doing work out to have technology and automation and robotics do some of that for them so that we can focus on more value add and employee-centric aspects of supply chain. And I do think that those companies uh, that are very focused on that will be the ones that win and become more agile in the future. And Richard, I imagine that you've also needed to develop different types of relationships with your customers and share information in a different way and also share technologies and systems. Is that right? Very true. So we need to be able to be almost plug and play with our customers to make sure that the integration layers are easy for our customers, fast and highly scalable. And those technologies as well, which bring efficiency savings. We need to share that investment with our customer. We need to have a win-win partnership. One of the things we look for with our customers is the long duration. We have customers more than 15 years in the business, and we have a retention rate of high 90s. Now, that only comes from innovation, uh, sharing success, or sharing the challenges as well. So our customer has adapted to being much more open for the investment, seeing all of the upsides that the technology brings and leveraging GXO to bring that to them on a scalable kind of basis with our know-how. And Alan, I wanted to kind of bring you back in as you work with clients all across different industries, but on this question of warehousing and logistics, what is the next frontier in your mind? I really see two unlocks as we move to this more digitized, automated future. One is how do we upskill our supervisors in this new world? to maintain that retention level high. It's proven through COVID that the way the supervisor treats the employees is probably the, one of the number one things at retaining them employees. As we now bring automation in that attracts that individual employee through the door, 
how do we in this new world keep that supervisor on the floor, having the right conversations, driving the right performance that helps retain those individuals? I think that's huge. The, the second area, I think, is the use of analytics. I think warehousing is still pretty an untapped space in taking all this data that we've now got through sensors that exist throughout the different automation technologies and using that to our advantage. And I'll give you one example from an automation perspective. If you think about case picking in a retail fulfillment environment, the demand profile is often not flat day to day. So we sell out goods in stores over the weekend. Stores don't want to receive goods on a Sunday. And that eventually ends up creating a demand spike on a Tuesday for most retail fulfillment. What I want to do is get the most from my automation and run that flat. I want to run that equally five, six days a week. And this demand spike on Tuesday now creates a different view of analytics that says, how do we know what's causing that? How can we move some demand onto other days of the week? How can we push that back into retail replenishment signals and systems to now mean I can fully leverage the automation that I put in place? So I think the next level is moving beyond the four walls of the DC to an end-to-end connectivity. Fascinating. So much more to do. Chris, what do you see as the outlook for over the next five years? You're looking ahead. Where do you see growth coming from? In terms of the near-term horizon, I think that although in the near term, I, I believe that you know we are seeing labor markets improving from where they were and in terms of labor availability for both DC warehouse and drivers, there's still going to be supply chain constraints that exist. We still see that today and we suspect that that's going to still be the case over the next 12 to 18 months. So from that perspective, we do believe that areas of focus for us will continue to have to be around employer of choice, making sure that we're able to really do everything that we can to keep the teammates that we have with us, because along with a tenured workforce, I think those things related to operational excellence continue to go along right along with it. I think from a capacity standpoint, we're going to be very focused around driving capacity in our business, continue to see investments in automations and systems and technology like we've talked about. That's part of our strategy to win with our teammates. Also very focused around driving transparency with our customers, making sure that we have technology solutions to give them visibility to supply chain so they understand what's going on in the business. And I think that final point that was just brought up with advanced analytics, I do think as there's been so much disruption, I think we're going to see over the next one and a half to five years, certainly a lot of advancements in advanced analytics, AI, to help us better predict where goods and services need to be and the labor that we need to have to make that happen. I do see that being a major factor in the coming years. Richard, anything that you would add there in terms of the outlook for GXO? I wholeheartedly agree with Chris and Alan's comments. Perhaps to add more flexibility for our workforce, we see more and more people wanting different work-life balances, sharing responsibilities in the household and so on. So really no longer the traditional shift patterns that we're working. We need to adapt much more as an industry to providing almost like a gig economy as best we can, and automation can help with that. When it comes to our customers, they ask us to solve problems. So innovation and continuous improvement, they're definitely the only way to beat inflation right now is to take costs out of the supply chain. And when it comes to automation, I think we're seeing parts that were traditionally less automated, for example, unloading containers, that technology improving, 
and that'll become commercialized and industrialized very shortly. And then my last comment would be, I agree entirely with Alan on the predictive analytics on the data. And for us, that is much more applicable into returns management. So how do we get those products, which can be up to 70% of e-commerce order can be returned? How do we get that back into the warehouse without the traditional full-on receipt, put away, repick process? How can we match that inbound return with the outbound order? so that it's the highest efficiency uh, for our customer. Super. I've just loved hearing you both talk about the outlook and the future and the importance of technology and thinking strategically about end-to-end integration of technology and systems. What you've also talked about is talent value proposition and loyalty, and it, it strikes me that purpose is such an important part of building that differentiation. We've talked a lot about it in separate episodes on operational excellence. Richard, can you say something more around um, how purpose is important to GXO? At the end of the day, everybody wants to come to work to do a good job. They want to achieve the goals of the day, the mission of the organization. People want to build their own value. They want to do a good job with the organization. And so going back to being an employer of choice, providing training, providing longevity of career, providing degrees, level skills, providing what is effectively in a global industry, huge opportunities. I think that purpose of being in the industry of satisfying customers, of achieving goals, of individually supplying our customers with those e-commerce packages where we're the last person to touch them. Yeah, very well said. Chris, anything to add to that thought? When I think about purpose, I think about it from two different angles. I think there's the one element of making sure that people are connected to the purpose of what they do every single day, that they understand the value and that they get you know, good feedback and engagement from the company to recognize all the important work that they do. And I think that we're very focused on that as a business. But I think there's another element around what the purpose is of the teammate coming to work, what's important to them. We need to understand what their purpose is. Thank you all for your time, Richard. Thank you. Thank you. Chris, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much. And Alan, thank you for joining and giving the more industry perspectives. Thank you. Thank you all for your time today. You've been listening to McKinsey Talks Operations with me, Daphne Luchtenberg. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. We'll be back with a brand new episode in a couple of weeks.